Good morning, church. And a blessed new year to everyone. Last Sunday, Pastor Lazarus reminds us, reminded us that as we face the new year and the many challenges and trials, let us face it with confidence because of Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, God with us. Now, this morning, we continue with our sermon series on Matthew. As you know, the gospel writer placed a great emphasis in introducing Jesus Christ as our victorious king. In chapter 1, he began with the presentation of the kingly line of Jesus. And then at the end of chapter 3, God the Father announces his approval and the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Of course, it's one thing to be introduced and presented by someone as a victorious king, but it's totally another to demonstrate it. And so here in chapter 4, Matthew provides us with solid proofs that Jesus is truly our ultimate king. And he does this by showing Jesus having the ability to overcome other domains and powers. He shows Jesus defeating, defeating Satan, and Satan being a subject who is under the power and authority of Jesus. You know, one of the most epic and mysterious spiritual battle is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. It is about the personal, one-on-one -on -one confrontation between Jesus Christ and Satan. And there were no human beings present when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness of Judea. Obviously, hindi natin malalaman to. No? If Jesus Christ has not retold this story to his disciples, he revealed to them not only his struggle, but more importantly, his secret to victory over Satan's temptation. I'm sure you would agree with me when I say temptation has been a constant, unrelenting part of our human life. No? In the Bible, you have Adam and Eve who were tempted by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. David was tempted by his lustful desire when he saw Bathsheba. Peter was tempted by his pride and arrogance when he tried to prevent Jesus from fulfilling his mission. There was this Irish and English uh, Irish playwright and poet. His name is Oscar Wilde. At ang sabi niya, I can resist everything except temptation. Sadly, our world has increasingly ignored, belittled, or even mocked at the idea of sin. We minimize sin by rephrasing, no? Nini-rebrand natin yung mga words to sound less condemning. Like adultery to an affair, same-sex marriage to equality, abortion to choice, pornography and profanity to freedom of expression. But let me warn you, Please be mindful 
for God takes our sin very seriously. He takes our sins very seriously. And so before I continue, why don't we bow our heads and have a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, as we come this morning to worship an audience of one, I pray for everyone who is present, may you indeed open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts. May you soften it, transform it, so that, Lord, we will apply everything that we hear from you. For I ask this only in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, before the specifics no, of Jesus' temptation, let's go through some significant information found in verses 1 and 2. No? Let me read. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No? So, after the baptism of Jesus Christ, ano na nangyari? Well, Jesus was led up by the Spirit. In other accounts, no, like Mark, he wrote immediately, the Spirit impelled him out into the wilderness. Now, ano ba yung impel? No? To impel means to force to leave, to drive out, to expel. No? And so, remember this. The temptation of Jesus Christ was not an event orchestrated by the devil, but rather it was God-ordained. In other words, it was the plan of God for Jesus to begin his ministry with these temptations. It was never the plan of the devil. But of course, the devil was a very willing participant. Another notable thing is that Jesus Christ the second person of the Trinity allowed the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to lead him, to take control of him during his earthly ministry. Another significant information is the phrase, to be tempted. No? But, hindi ba sabi sa James chapter 1 verse 13 that God himself does not tempt anyone? So, how can we understand this statement? No? Now, the English dictionary gives a very bad connotation to the word tempt. Every time naririnig natin yung word na tempt, no? we immediately what? No? Uh, what immediately comes to our mind is something negative. No? Negative kagad yung pumapasok sa isipan natin. Dictionary.com defines tempt as what? To entice, to allure. To do something often regarded as wrong, immoral, or unwise. But you know, the Greek word does not always carry that meaning. In the Greek dictionary, peirazo no, can also mean to tempt or to test. Now, paano natin malalaman? How can we tell the difference? No? Well, the answer is found in the tester's motivation and expectation. In other words, from God's point of view, it is a test. And God's purpose 
is to prove that Jesus Christ is worthy to be our King and Savior. But from the devil's perspective, it is a way to tempt him. And the devil's purpose is to prove that Jesus is unworthy to be the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Alam nyo, our life is full of testing grounds. Every event in our lives, no? for example, a financial setback, a change of plans, a problem at home that appears to have no solution, even a good and lucrative deal in your business, or a successful church ministry or event. Everything that comes our way, whether good or bad, can either tempt or test us. And so, from the devil's point, you know, he tempts you, he tempts me, that we will fail God's standard of righteousness and commit sin. But from God's point of view, he tests us in order to prove the genuineness of your faith and to refine our godly character. Now, listen to this. We cannot tell the difference until we see the outcome. No? When you're at this situation right now, you never know. You will never know. No? You can never tell the difference. Only until you see the outcome. Pag natapos na yan, if we pass, it's a test that proves our righteousness and becoming more mature. If we fail, it's a temptation for our lust and desires entice us and cause us to sin. Last significant information is 40 days and 40 nights. No? It would be easy to assume, initially I was assuming that as well, that Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and at the end of that period, he was tempted by the devil. But if you look at Mark's account and Luke's account, they gave a much clearer description that our Lord endured Satan's temptation for the entire 40-day period. And it was not just at the end of 40 days. Also, during his fasting, Nowhere are we told that Jesus refrained from drinking water. But we are specifically told that Jesus abstained from taking food. No? And that is why no? he was hungry. Now, having given this information, no? let's go into the temptation of Jesus. But I want you to realize this. Temptation is common to all. Temptation is common to all, but victory no, is not very common. So through the personal experience of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we will discover how to be victorious when we tackle our own temptation. Constantly fix our eyes on God and His Word. No? Let me repeat that. Constantly. Fix our eyes on God and His Word. So, what are some lessons from the great temptation of Jesus Christ? Number one, complete trust in God. 
complete trust in God. The first temptation picks up on the fact that Jesus had not eaten 40 days and 40 nights. And the verses reads, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, the text tells us that at this point, Jesus was physically hungry and vulnerable. And then the devil came to lay down his subtle sneers to tempt him. Take note ah, that the devil was not asking Jesus to commit some wicked no, or blatant sin. In our vernacular nga, pino no, or parang harmless lang na tukso. He began by saying, if you are the son of God, you know, Satan always tried to create and instill doubt about God and his standard of truth. The devil knew who Jesus is. Jesus knew who he is. But that did not deter the devil from wanting to plant seeds of doubt in Jesus. And so, yung dialogue ni Jesus and the devil could go like this, no? Jesus, did God really say you are his son in whom he was well pleased? Kaya lang ngayon. He's leaving you to go hungry. Why should you starve to death when you have the ability to turn these stones into bread? Are you not allowed to just do one teeny-weeny miracle when you're hungry? Pardon for being redundant, but what I want to point out on, in this incident is this. This is not a simple case of temptation of turning stones into bread so that Jesus can eat. But the devil was suggesting that Jesus' hunger was not compatible with his being the Son of God. For Jesus to satisfy his human needs by a, miracular one, uh, by a miraculous act, for Jesus to exercise his personal authority because the Father seemed to have left or forgotten him. And so, the devil's temptation is he wanted Jesus you know, to doubt the Father's love and care. He wanted Jesus to act independently of God's plan. So Jesus replied and began with this, began with this praise. It is written. Now, to every Jew who heard this phrase, they knew that Jesus was pertaining to no other manuscript than the Scripture. And take note that in each of Jesus' response, he always begins with the phrase, it is written. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus was not belittling, no? Minamaliit niya yung our need for food. No? For if not, he will not teach us, no? Just like the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. But he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Where Moses 
reminded Israel of God's loving care for His people during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Alam nyo ba, during those 40 years, food, clothing, shelter was never an issue for the Israelites. In other words, Jesus was saying to the devil, I do not need to doubt my father. I do not need to complain. Because surely, siguradong sigurado ko, God is going to supply my need. I will obey His word, and God will take care of me. I want you to reflect on this. No? How many times has the devil succeeded in making us doubt God or led us to act independently outside God's will? Countless na. Just like you and me, the devil tempts us with his whisper of doubts. Doubts about who are we in Christ. Doubts about God's power. Doubts about God's love. Doubts even about our strength and abilities. Satan will try to harass you, harass me, to instill fear and doubt. You know, as a Christian employee, Christian entrepreneur, Christian professional, I know times are hard. And according to some economists, it's only going to get worse. When business is slow, when inflation is high, when trying to make ends meet is difficult, it's really tempting to cut corners, not to pay the right taxes, not to issue invoices. Anyway, everything, everyone is doing it. Lord, pasensya ka na. I'm sorry, huh? But I need to do it so that my business can survive. So that I can provide for my family. But did you know what we have just done when we do that? We have lived by bread alone. We have lived by bread alone. We have missed out and forfeited the blessing that comes from trusting God who alone provides us life and blessings. Let me remind you, no? because maare nakalimutan yun na, no? who provided us with our job? No? Who, who is the true owner of your business? The Word of God says in Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Listen, Jesus has the power to change the stones to bread. Jesus has the authority as the Son of God. But for Jesus, it is far, far more important that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of his Father. And the lesson Jesus wants us to learn in the first temptation, complete trust in God. Constantly fix our eyes on God and His Word. What are some lessons no, 
from the great temptation of Jesus Christ. So number one, complete trust in God. Number two, to test God is to doubt God. To test God is to doubt God. No? So the devil moves to a second temptation. And in verses 5 to 7, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angel concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So, the devil having failed on his initial try, no? the devil now tried to twist the words of Jesus and challenge him. So, the devil took him into the holy city, Jerusalem, and on a pinnacle of the temple said to Jesus, Oh, sige, Jesus, ah, you're going to trust God. Oh, you're going to... Uh, where am I right now? So, Jesus, ah, I see that you know... Uh, sorry. Yeah. So, you're not going to abuse your authority. You're going to obey every word of your Father. Sige nga. Patunayan mo nga. Jump. Jump. For it is written, and take note, huh? the devil is now caught quoting Psalm 91. He shall command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they lift you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, the problem with this quote is the devil misquoted Psalm 91. So Jesus responded by saying, I see, David, that you know the scripture. And you have even quoted the words of my father. Kaya lang, you did not quote every word na sinabi niya. You left out a very important phrase, to guard you in all your ways. And twisted its meaning. What this verse means is a person is guarded and protected only when he is following God's will or His ways. Now, does it mean that God's way is easy? Of course not. We may even be persecuted. But God's way will lead to righteousness. God's way will lead to glorifying His name. God never promised nor has He used His angels in sinful and forbidden ways. And Jesus added another problem huh, that He has uh, when uh, Satan quoted the Scripture. Sabi niya, you must not tempt the Lord your God. And we must not tempt the Lord our God, no matter how important or grand our purpose may be. Remember this, to test God is to doubt Him. And to doubt Him is not to trust Him. You know, in the Bible, there are acceptable and unacceptable kind of testing. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, 
God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house and test me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, the Hebrew word used here in this verse means to scrutinize, to examine, or to prove. So, God invites His people to test Him in tithes and offerings. And take note huh, that this is the only situation no, in the Bible where God permits us, permits His people to test Him. And God will prove His faithfulness as a response. Now, a different word in Hebrew was used for test in Deuteronomy 6.16. No, let me read. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested Him in Massa. And also in Psalm chapter 78, verse 17 to 18, but they continue to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High, and they willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they crave. Now, the word here you know, means to test or to tempt, and they are unacceptable because these actions demand something from God. Without God, we don't trust Him. And so now God needs to prove Himself to us. And you know what's the difference between the two Hebrew words? Faith in God. Faith in God. For in Hebrews chapter one, verse, uh, 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the con conviction of things not seen. And in verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For everyone who wants to please Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And so Jesus, in effect, was saying, Mr. Devil, I don't have to jump off this temple to know who I am. God already told me you know, when I got baptized. I don't have to jump just to know that the angels are there. I may not be able to see them, but I know that they are there. And why am I sure? Because in Numbers 23, 19, tells me who God is. God does not lie. And the things He said, He will keep and fulfill them. Also in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, God is completely dependable. If He said it, He will surely do it. So there's nothing for God to prove because He has already proven Himself. And Jesus Christ will not act recklessly by making a fantastic stunt just to prove to everyone that He is the Messiah. Now, listen. There's no sense in putting ourselves deliberately into a threatening situation. No sense in living recklessly and then expecting God to take us out 
of harm's way. You know, a person who is plain and simply lazy, isang taong talagang tamad, no? would probably say, I don't see any reason for me to work because God will provide. Now that's testing God. Because the scripture also says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. In other words, the way by which God provides for us is when we work. And so we cannot, no, we cannot sidestep God's means of grace and then put God to the test. If God is going to use a person as his means of grace to help you get well, you cannot sidestep God and say, I don't need a doctor. I won't accept blood transfusion by faith lang, by prayers lang. Another example is going into a marital relationship without the approval of God and asking for His blessing. Or even parents, we pray for our children no? that uh, they will love God, but we fail to raise our children up in the fear and knowledge of who God is. Listen, no? when we do that, knowingly or unknowingly, we are putting God to the test. But I want to point out also that God does expect us to take risk. Let me repeat that. God expects us to take risks in order to be true to Him. But listen to this. Huh? This risk, whatever risk that we're taking, is always connected to His will. The risk no, is always connected to God's will. The risk is never connected for our fame, and we do not and we must not use God or His name to gain or achieve personal glory. You know, there was this husband who sensed that God was calling him to serve as a full-time missionary. But, you know, one of the requirements of this mission agency is if you are married, the husband and the wife must be in agreement on this calling. Second, both the husband and the wife must serve full-time. And since his wife at that time was working in the private sector, so the husband shared God's vision and told, he told her, no, pray about it. A week before they were to make their final decision, the wife got a call from her supervisor. And she got promoted. And this includes not only positional, but even financial promotion. And she shared to us no, that when she got that call, it was a no-brainer. And she knew that God was calling them to serve full-time. It was a risk. But the risk they took was not for personal glory. The risk they took 
was connected to God's will. Listen, the lesson Jesus wants us to learn in the second temptation is God has already proven himself to us. So let us place our faith in him because to test God is to doubt God. Constantly fix our eyes on God and his word. Again, what are some lessons learned from the great temptation of Jesus Christ? Number one, complete trust in God. Number two, to test God is to doubt God. And last, worship and serve God alone. In the last temptation, the devil makes one final desperate effort to corrupt Jesus. Verses 8 to 10 reads, And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All this I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Alam nyo, in the first two temptations, the devil begins with the words, If you are the Son of God. The devil tempted Jesus to doubt his father's love. Then the devil tempted him to test his father. Pero walang nangyari. Jesus remained obedient. And so, in the third temptation, the devil offered Jesus a deal. Sabi niya, O sige na nga, Compromise na lang tayo. No? I'm going to give you the Father's will, but not via the Father's way. No? Anong ibig sabihin nun? The devil brought Jesus to a very high place, and the significance was it gave Jesus a vast view of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And ano yung offer ni Satan? I can accomplish the will of God for you. You can have the kingdom of this world and their glory right here, right now. But remember, in dealing with the great deceiver, there's always a catch. And ano yung catch ni devil? For Jesus to bow down, and worship the devil. I'm sure, sabi nga ni devil siguro, Jesus, I don't, ganun, no? I don't think bow lang, okay na sa akin. The temptation here is Jesus can have it all. He can be the king of kings without doing anything. Without the cross. No shame. No suffering. No persecution, no beating, no crucifixion. Jesus can have it all and skip those events. However, if Jesus agreed, this would have thwarted God's plan for our salvation. And so for the third time, Jesus gave his non-negotiable decisive answer as he quotes Deuteronomy 6.13, 
You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship Him. And in Deuteronomy 10.20, you shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve Him and cling to Him. Jesus will never, ever compromise His allegiance. Worship and serve God alone. Similarly, yan din sasabihin sa atin ni Satan. Don't set your standard so high. No, I'm going to give you what you want. Dream house, dream car, dream job, lots of money, happiness. Just do it my way. It's easier and faster pa. Just turn a blind eye on those questionable things. No? Follow what the world is doing. No? But Jesus tells us, what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Church, may we not gain worldly things in sinful ways. If we want our dream job, don't seek. No? Wag natin, don't seek it at the expense of palakasan or padrino. If we want happiness, don't seek it at the expense of an illicit love affair. If we want comfort, don't let money be your source of comfort. You know, the devil will try to twist and justify everything. He's good at it because he is the father of lies. And remember, no, the end never ever justifies the means. You know, the proposition of Satan was so outrageous that Jesus commanded the devil to depart from him. Satan had no choice, but they, he has to obey no? And Jesus demonstrated His power, His authority, and His kingship. So, the final lesson Jesus wants us to learn is God alone is worthy of our worship and service. Again, constantly fix our eyes on God and His Word. And, Sabi nga sa verse 11, the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to Jesus. Though we are not told what the angels' ministry was, I'm sure kasama yung food no? to satisfy our Savior's hunger. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it says, the devil departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Meaning, Satan's temptation didn't end here. The devil continued. He persisted to tempt Jesus all throughout his earthly ministry, where his temptation culminated in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, in these 11 verses, Jesus presented a very clear and applicable insight into Satan's strategy. Jesus shows us how to be victorious against the devil. 
we are shown the way of danger, the way of escape, the way that leads to defeat, and the way that leads to victory. And the choice you and I make will lead to one of two ways. The easy way that leads to destruction or the hard way that leads to life. Remember, Jesus is able to understand our weakness. He was tempted in every way possible. He suffered, but he did not sin. Let us draw near to him. Let us follow him because he is the only one able to help those who are tempted. So, let me end with this final story. I'm sure many of you here have dogs. And one of the most challenging things is to teach a dog to be obedient. And there was this man who placed an extra-large, juicy, wagyu, double-A meat on the floor near his dog. And each time the dog attempts to take the meat, the owner would swat the dog and say, No! The first few times when the owner said, No, walang effect. It was irrelevant because the dog would immediately grab the meat and eat it. And the result was, of course, the dog gets swatted. But soon, the dog learned and began to associate yung swatting with the word no. Also, when the owner said no, the dog no longer charged at the meat. And what the owner also observed was his dog was no longer looking at the meat. Each time the man puts the meat down, no, the dog never took his eyes on his master. The dog seems to feel that if he took his, took his eyes off his master, the temptation to disobey his master would be inevitable. My brothers and sisters, maybe also follow what that dog did. The dog constantly looked at the face of his master. And that is how we become victorious over temptation. Let us constantly fix our eyes on our master. What are some of the... Lessons learned from the temptation of Jesus Christ. Number one, complete trust in God. Number two, to test God is to doubt God. And number three, worship and serve God alone. Constantly fix our eyes on God and His Word. And as an application, no? Sana we, have, we have to have an application. Always remember this, no temptation. Sabi nga sa 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to men. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And 
if you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that we can stand up under it. So, during times of temptation, okay, during times of temptation, remember to look. Remember to look. Look up. Our hope is in God. Ask for His mercy. Ask for His grace. And if we fail, confess. And ask for forgiveness and repent. Look up. Look back. It's easy to forget how faithful, how dependable our God is. Maganda mag-journal kayo. If you do journaling and look back, you will see how faithful, how dependable God is. And number three, look down. Soak yourself in His Word. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Look up. Look back. And look down. For the last time, constantly fix our eyes on God and His Word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Indeed, they are alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. May Your words this morning pierce our heart and convict us to live a life worthy of our calling. Through the example of your Son, Jesus Christ, remind us to always draw near to Him. Remind us that we can be victorious when the devil tempts us. For some who have lost their spiritual equilibrium, who have inverted their godly values, to those of you who hear God's voice speaking. Today, please do not harden your hearts and humbly come to Him, confess to Him, ask for forgiveness, and repent. May the Word of God accomplish what He desires and achieve its purpose for which He sent it. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.